All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Hoops Podcast. It is Monday, March the 5th, 2018, and this is the special SEC Bracketology episode of the podcast. Uh, we are officially in March. The SEC tournament gets underway on Wednesday in St. Louis. Really looking forward to that. Going to be a fun time. Always this is the tournament. Uh, and to talk about the stuff that I know everyone is wondering in terms of the NCAA tournament what this week could mean for some of the teams in the SEC that are sitting right there trying to either improve their bid or to find a bid altogether. And we bring on uh, a good friend and a guy we've talked to a lot in other places. I'm sure, you know, for those of you who listen to to this podcast, I know you subscribe to the other stuff we do, the radio show in Nashville. We've enjoyed having him on, and he is the go-to guy for bracketology, and that is Shelby Mass of BracketWag.com, the official USA Today bracketologist. Always does a great job. Uh, You've seen me put out links on Twitter probably for the past month to all his stuff and continues to do great work. Uh, Shelby, thanks for joining us. Like we talked about before we started, I can't really imagine us talking about anything Alabama-related tonight. No, I can't imagine. Did Nick Saban do something? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we're going to have many questions. This is the first time we may not have many Nick Saban questions. We have a lot more uh, Alabama basketball questions, though, and let's just go ahead and start with them because I think that's the team that that everybody's kind of identifying when we talk about bubble teams. Seems like there's always one in the SEC. Obviously, this year there's a lot more teams expected to get into the tournament. Uh, let's just go right to Twitter for one of the questions because I know we were going to talk about it anyways. This is from Nick Sanders on Twitter. Uh, he's at underscore Nick underscore Sanders. He asked, what would it take for Alabama to get comfortably back into the field besides winning the whole SEC tournament? Would it be two or three wins, maybe? I think with get the win over A&M, you're feeling a little bit better. You beat Auburn, you're in. That would probably end all questions. If you only beat A&M, then next Sunday may be a little bit tenser than uh, you thought a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, I still think if they lose, they can get in. But to feel comfortable, two, two wins. To feel somewhat comfortable, one win. And to kind of expand off of that, um, you know, we know that in terms of the NCAA tournament committee, what they value and all that. We talked about these quadrant one wins time after time this season. Uh, I think everybody's still trying to figure out what a quadrant one win means for some people. Um, but when you compare Alabama's overall body of work, now obviously having a five-game losing streak to end the regular season, potentially being a six-game losing streak if they lose to A&M, when you compare their case with other teams or the teams that you fully expect to be right there in that mix as we head into Sunday, how would Alabama's resume compare to, to some of those other teams that are right there alongside them? They have played one of the tougher schedules in the country non-conference and in-conference. Their, their overall strength of schedule, including conference games, is five. Their non-conference is 28. Those are really, really solid numbers. Uh, but the losses keep piling up. If you go just by wins, they've got five wins versus that group one and four wins versus the group two. So nine wins versus those top two groups, that's a good number to have. But then, you know, at some point, usually the good outweighs the bad but at some point, the bad will catch up to you, 
and they're sitting there with 14 losses right now. Uh, it, it's not often. I mean, last year Vandy got in with 15. It's not. That's the first time that's ever happened. Only a couple of teams have gotten in with 14 losses. So at, po- at some point, there's got to be a cutoff to say, hey, this is it. Uh, Vanderbilt last year, they were in the 8-9 game. They had a better overall overall profile. Even though they had one more loss, they still had more bigger wins. Uh, Alabama's got nice ones, but they're just they're, they're treading lightly right now. They're, they're, they're you know, heads above water, but barely. And to kind of, and I was going to make that comparison too to talk about Vanderbilt from last year. And we know what the committee said in terms of, you know, it used to be the last 10 games and we used to play such a big impact on that and say, well, you know, the last 10 games, what have you done the last 10 games and all that? We know it's not emphasized uh, to that level anymore. But, you know, to me, the more I look at it, it's just like, you know, I know what the committee's looking at the overall body of work, but if you're sitting there in that room, and you see an Alabama team that, let's say, has potentially lost six in a row uh, going into Selection Sunday, and you're trying to compare that with other bubble teams, you know, let's say some of these teams that are playing their way in, d- does that not go through their mind when you just kind of compare that and say, boy, we're, we're trying to field the best teams right now, and just in terms of what they've done down the stretch, to me it seems like that would be something that would be hard to ignore, even though we know, like we said, that the devaluing of that last tent. Yeah, and Alabama's saving grace, I think, is that they don't look at the last yeah. 10 uh, as a metric that they use, but they're human. They have, they're watching these games, and that game last week against Florida, I watched a big part of that game. That looked to me like a team that had quit. They were done. They're, they're ready to go home. They don't want to play anymore. Um, it, it, and the committee will look at that kind of thing, and, and you know, it's up to each committee member how they value that, and that's the – the beauty, or, or I don't know what you want to call it, tr- trying to figure all this out is trying to figure out what ten different people are going to are going to decide on, and w- what each committee member values more than the other one. Uh, but I think that you know, if you if they really factor it in, then the, these last few games are really hurting Alabama. If they just say, you know, hey, we can put all these games in a hat and pick them out one by one, and that's your resume, no matter what date the game was played, that may help them. Uh, yeah. Again, I don't. I can't answer that with this new quadrant system. I don't know for <laughs> sure how much they're going to value that, but I think they will look at the entire body. They keep stressing that over and over. Uh, so there, there's hope. Yeah, and that's to me. I think you said it. I was trying to find the word, but it's that human element. I think, even though, like we said, talking mm-hmm. about the, the last ten and all that, it's kind of been thrown by the wayside. But when you look at that and you start comparing teams, I find that very interesting. But to go to the other side. Uh, when staying in the state of Alabama to a team that has certainly exceeded expectations this year, and that's Auburn, uh, sitting there as the co-regular season champions. And I know some people will say, you know, should be the outright champions. They beat Tennessee mm-hmm. head-to-head, uh, but that's sort of an SEC thing. That's not something I don't think any of us kind of break that down. That's an SEC thing. That's how it works. Uh, with Auburn, ain't that banner. Yeah, that's right. Ain't that banner. Um, with Auburn, yeah. they're sitting there. You have them at a three-seed right now. Um, you know, Tennessee also on that three line. We'll talk about them in a second. But with Auburn, and here's a question, too, uh, from Twitter. It's from uh, at Arm and Hammer, or maybe it's something else, but that's the username is Arm and Hammer. Uh, what will it take for Auburn to get a two-seed in the NCAA tournament? And then I like what he puts here. Or the best way for them to play in Nashville so I can go watch. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think they're real close. I've got them as my top three seed. Uh, and I, my bracket that's out right now, I've made some changes to it as the day has worn on. I really thought about a lot of things. But Auburn is my top three seed, followed by Michigan and Michigan State. Purdue is my top or my last two seed. So Purdue's done playing. They can't help themselves. They can't hurt themselves anymore. Auburn can can help themselves. I don't. I was going to say they can't hurt themselves, but I guess they could with a loss. I don't see them dropping off the three line. If they get to the finals of the SEC tournament and maybe play somebody other than Tennessee, then I think they've got a shot to get there. If they play Tennessee, then the winner of that game probably gets the two line. But they've got a, a real real chance to get there because Purdue's done and they can't do anything to enhance their resume anymore. So it's probably safe to say at this point, we're probably seeing, you know, for the Nashville people like myself, we're probably seeing Auburn or Tennessee here probably in most scenarios at this point, right? I think so. There's an outside shot. I've moved Florida up to the four line, and apparently I've got them much higher than others. But I'm okay with that. I look at their resume. They've got double-digit group one wins, quad one wins. And I'm satisfied that that's a solid team. If they were to win the tournament, maybe they could get up there, but I don't yeah. think they have. I think they have too many losses to get all the way to the two line. Three line is probably their ceiling, but Auburn and Tennessee are definitely in play for the uh, two line. With Tennessee, and like we said, I mean, here's another one of those teams, just like Auburn, but I mean, even Tennessee, just in terms of preseason expectations, I think has certainly exceeded what Auburn did, just in terms of here's a team that was picked 13th by the preseason media. I keep saying. I was one of the doofuses that picked them 12th. So at least I did better than the, the SEC preseason media, but not by much. Um, well, you hang your banner, too. That's right. Yeah, I, I did that. Yeah. I wrote a I wrote something over at southeastoops.com pretty much making fun of myself for all my preseason picks. Those never come out good uh, at the end of the season for the most part. But when you look at this Tennessee team, um, you know, and we everybody asks the question, you know, when you look at the SEC, who are the teams or who is the team that you feel like you trust the most? When you break down Tennessee's overall resume, and we've talked about this, I mean, you've talked about an early season win over Purdue. They played very, very well against Villanova for a half and maybe five minutes um, and looked like they were going to win that game. But when you just kind of break down Tennessee's resume, are you kind of with me in that this is definitely one of those teams you feel like you can trust just because of how many games they've won away from home this season? I, I think so. What gets me is that they, it's been a while since they've been there. Yeah. Uh, and so I, that teams like that, I'm going to, I'm going to use Auburn. I'm going to use Tennessee. I'm going to use Clemson. Those are not teams that we traditionally see seated very high in the bracket. And so it's hard for me to trust those teams to, to do much just because of the experience factor. What helps uh, Tennessee, or, yeah, Tennessee, Rick Barnes as coach, he took Texas to uh, the final four one year and he got to the tournament, I think, all but one year at Texas. So he is a tournament-tested coach. That's going to help those players immensely in the tournament. He understands what it takes to win games. He knows how to make his guys focus on the task at hand. There's going to be a lot more outside distractions than, than they're used to. Mm-hmm. He can help filter all that stuff out, and I think that's going to be a big help for them. All right, the team, and it's funny because it seems like we all the year long – been talking about this i'll be we'll have a conversation with somebody uh i'll i'll do a radio spot or something and it's like we spend the first 10 minutes talking about the sec and kentucky doesn't come up one time uh which shows you kind of the strange year it is 
in the league this year. Okay. But when you talk about Kentucky, uh, here's a team certainly playing much better down the stretch. Uh, they look like they finally started to kind of get things figured out. Obviously, they had the loss at Florida. Uh, I don't know how you know bad of a loss that is, all things considered, with the way Florida's been playing. But when you look at this Kentucky team, they're staring down a potential road to the to the championship there on Sunday against what likely will probably be Missouri. Then it's probably a matchup against Auburn or, or Alabama A&M, one of those teams at the top. Um, what's maybe the highest you could see Kentucky getting? Let's say they roll through the whole thing. They kind of find their mojo again, and they win the SEC tournament in St. Louis. I, I could uh, – outside chance of a three, I, but I, that's going to be tough to do because there's enough teams ahead of them that have done more. They, they're a good team, and you said exactly what I've been saying. They look like they figured something out. Whatever that was, I don't know, but it, it started working the last couple of weeks. And I think that loss to Florida, you can discount that because Florida finally figured something out, and that game was on Florida's home court. Uh, but Kentucky, they're, they're, they're a dangerous team. you got to watch them. And Calipari, again, goes back to coaching. Uh, that's one of the things I look for when I'm picking winners uh, in the tournament is coaching. And you get a coach that has been there, that has won a title, that's done all this stuff, especially with this young of a team. He's relying a lot on talent as, a, as opposed to experience. Um, the, the, you know, four, four or five is where I figure they're going to end up, and I'm comfortable with that. I'll be surprised if they get to a three. I'll be surprised if they fall to a six. With Texas A&M, because I think they're another team. You know, we told, we've talked about Alabama, Florida, teams that have kind of made you scratch your head a lot sometimes this season. Texas A&M was just absolutely fantastic in the pre-conference I mean, this was a, a top-five team. We were, you know, potentially probably should have made a couple plays down the stretch and beaten Arizona. Uh, and then we're talking about a team that, that may have been, you know, again, we're playing what-ifs here, but potentially being ranked as the top team in the country at one point in December. Um, then they just had that situation where you can't get everybody on the floor. You have injuries, suspensions, all that. They get blown out at Alabama. That started a trend where they just lost five in a row and they've still had those stretches, but they're such a streaky team where if they lose a game, it's like, well, they're going to lose two or three at least in a row. But if they win, they're going to keep things rolling. When you look at their sort of ceiling, I know everybody keeps asking, well, how in the world is Texas A&M still a team that's being rated highly, you know, sometimes at a five or a six or however you want to look at it. But it has all to do with that, how strong they were in the pre-conference with the wins they got, and then just what they've been able to kind of turn things around after that slow start, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And there's been some – I mean, the Southeast Conference, no doubt about it, is a much better conference than they've been in a while, maybe ever. I, I, I haven't yeah. I gone back and checked historical, but I would say this, this is going to be the most teams they get in the tournament. And there's – I can't think of a team in there that hasn't had some sort of roller coaster issues. Maybe Auburn and Tennessee haven't to the extreme that Alabama, A&M, Missouri, Kentucky, Florida have. Three weeks ago, Florida was a bubble team for me, and now they're way up on the four line. A&M, I came close to putting them on the one line early season, you know, way early, but they were right up there. And at one point, they were almost out of my bracket. So when you talk about a yo-yo, there you go. They've been up, they've been down, but they've kind of evened things out. When they're on, they're on. They've got the size uh, that can dominate games, but if those guys get in foul trouble or if they're not playing well or if they get suspended again, then 
who knows what you're going to get. And I, it's another one of those teams. I'm not sure I trust them uh, just because of the season they've had. It's just been so all over the place. And I, I hate to use the term bipolar, but that yep. seems a bit fitting for a lot of these Southeast Conference teams. Absolutely. And I keep telling people that. It's like, you know, I could see – Several of these SEC teams winning multiple games in the tournament, I could see them losing in the first round. And, you know, because it seems like it's sort of that sort of deal, and we know the tournament's all about matchups. I feel more confident with Auburn and Tennessee, like you said, because, you know, they feel like the teams that have continually proven it consistently. Uh, but the, even they, you know, like all these, like every team in the country, I'd say at this point, has their, yeah, has their flaws, and if they get the wrong matchup, yeah, we, we could see them losing. Um, with A&M, just quickly to wrap up with them, Let's say, you know, they find that that early season form. They roll all the way. I mean, that would include beating Alabama, Auburn, probably either Kentucky or Missouri, and get to the championship. I mean, is there a chance they could get up as high as, you know, that four seed probably? Maybe. That's, that's probably their ceiling, and they need a lot of help with that, other teams around them to lose. Uh, I, realistic ceiling is probably five, but uh, – the way this season's gone, I, I can't say no, they won't get to the four line. It is possible, but I don't expect it. Yeah. Uh, and to go to Missouri, who's another team that, that we've, you know, kind of looked at, and they've had another, you know, they're another, a team that's had a strange season too, where they're sitting here, you know, feeling pretty comfortable about where they're at, and yet the expectations going into the season were that they could be a top five SEC type of team. But we all thought it was going to be with Michael Porter Jr., and yet he hasn't played – all but two minutes the entire season. Uh, the potential that he could play in St. Louis this week, and that would certainly make things very interesting from an on-court standpoint, from an attendance standpoint. Uh, when you look at this Missouri team, here's a question, too, from Twitter, uh, at College Hoops FN on Twitter. He asked, what is Missouri's ceiling uh, for seeding-wise in, in the NCAA tournament? I've got them at a seven right now. If they get... Uh, if they win the Southeast Conference Tournament, I could see them getting to the five line. Um, if Michael Porter comes back, I don't think that enhances their seating at all because their resume is based on a full season minus two minutes without him. So everything they've done has been without him. There's not enough of a sample size with him, uh, I don't feel. But I think I would like to be in their position to where in, they're in that six or seven range and he's back, and they're better than ever, that's a dangerous team. That could be South Carolina from last year. Absolutely, and they're a team I keep looking at, and it's like they've just got something, and we know Conzo Martin defensively. He's always kind of prided himself on that, and I think if they can – and again, the, the tournament's in St. Louis. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors that could kind of lead them to being that surprise team. They, they, you know, Everybody always says, well, who's the team that can make a – surprise run I, I agree i think this is that team that can do it because getting him back on the floor with everything he could do uh, that would be outstanding for them no doubt and then another team we haven't touched on uh, arkansas uh they're another one that that kind of you, you've, you've seen the good you've seen the bad and mm -hmm. um you yeah. know it's it's just again that's the theme but i think with arkansas you know, here's a team that is playing its best basketball down the stretch. They've won six of eight. Uh, they had the, the loss at Missouri. They lost to Kentucky. But it seems like they've kind of turned a corner a little bit, too. They had the big wins over Alabama, over Auburn. Um, how do you kind of look at this team? Because I think when you look at Arkansas, they're one of those teams where you look at the pre-conference – 
They beat Oklahoma, who at the time, that was a great win, and we've seen Oklahoma kind of drop off. And then they had the win over Minnesota, which we were like, oh, that's going to be an NCAA tournament-defining type of win, and then we see what Minnesota does. Um, so how, how do you kind of view Arkansas's overall body of work here? Uh, you can mix, you can interchange them with Missouri, with A and M. They're they're good teams. They're they're solid teams. But you know, there's ups and downs. And I, I I've got them pegged right now. I think on the seven line. I'm comfortable with that. I think they need to do a little bit of work. But we just got uh, I just got a message over my phone that Dustin Thomas yep. has been suspended uh, effective immediately. So yep. you're losing a player. Uh, I, I don't. I didn't see enough of their games to know for sure how much of an impact he uh, he played for them. But if if he's a guy that had any sort of minutes, then you're you're losing a guy. You're losing a player. That's five fouls giving. Yeah. You know yeah. you, that that could hurt him, and that may affect their seating too. If the committee views him as an important enough part of that team, that could affect their seating by a line since he is not going to be available. Yeah, I think he's someone where you kind of look at his season, and to me, Daniel Gafford, I think, has been the biggest sort of impact for them because they lost Moses Kingsley, obviously, from last year, and they needed another big body. And when you look at Thomas, I mean, here's a guy who played, you know, 20 minutes, 18-ish minutes, kind of consistently. And like you said, I mean, I think it's it's something where we don't really know because – they're very good with Macon and Barford and Gafford. It's like everything else we've had question marks with Arkansas all year, so it will be interesting to see mm-hmm. kind of how they play going forward. Okay, a couple things to wrap up here. The teams that are could still get there, of the ones we haven't mentioned, is is LSU or Mississippi State sort of still in that range to where everything has to go right in St. Louis, or is there is there a possibility – Let's say if which they play in the first round of the tournament, so it's going to be the winner of that one. Obviously, he's going to have a better chance. But right. is the winner of that? Let's say they roll all the way to the championship game. Do they have a shot, or do they have to win the whole thing? I think I think LSU would have the better shot. Mississippi State, and I, I evidently I'm bad for using this term, but non-conference strength of schedule. Yeah. The committee uses that, so I use that. Whether good <laughs> or bad, whatever. The committee uses it, so I use it. Mississippi State's not even in the top 300. Yeah, that's that's really bad. They didn't schedule tough at all. LSU is better, uh, and LSU has some pretty good wins. They swept A&M. They swept Arkansas. That's those are impressive. But you beat Mississippi State, yeah, that's nice. You beat Tennessee, <laughs> okay, our eyes are open. Yeah. You beat Florida, our eyes are really open now, and that might be tough to keep them out after that. Yeah, I think that that could be the most fascinating thing to me is we, we feel like this is a tournament where there's going to be upsets this year in the SEC because we've seen how crazy it's been all year long, and, and especially in the tournament, if you see a team like, like LSU maybe making that run or like we talked about Alabama, Mississippi State, any of these teams, uh, that can make things very interesting. All right, we're going to wrap up with this. I'm going to put you on the spot. It's the question I'm sure you've been asked a million times, uh, so it's nothing you're you're not prepared for. When we get to Sunday – how many SEC teams are in the field? I think eight. I think Alabama's going to figure out a way to sneak in. All right. And you would definitely feel a lot better about that if they beat Texas A&M, and then especially better if they beat Auburn. So Yeah, if they beat Auburn, the discussion's over there yet. But yeah. beating A&M helps. It ends the streak. They, they've proven they can win again. Um, but if you lose, 
you're in trouble. But just the way this season has gone, I just got a feeling that a bunch of these bubble teams are going to lose games that they need, and it's in the process of elimination. Alabama will be left standing just but due to their resume. They've got so many good wins. Yep, always helps. When you're on the bubble, winning cures a lot of things because if you start losing, yeah. you you put your hands in everyone else, and that could always be uh, make for an interesting result. There's no doubt. So, yeah. uh, yep. Shelby, man, always enjoy the discussion. I know this is your busiest time of year, so I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and uh, I know we'll get a chance to catch up with you again here soon. Yep, sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, that was the interview with Shelby Mass, the official USA Today bracketologist. You can find all his stuff at bracketwag.com. Obviously, following me on Twitter. You've seen me put out links all the time, uh, pretty much after every game day uh, in the SEC regular season here down the stretch, uh, to links to his brackets updated daily. And like he said, he even, he's even making updates that aren't even necessarily posted yet. Uh, so th- there's a lot going on, and we know once you get to St. Louis, uh, the SEC tournament, there's going to be a lot of things that, that kind of play out and, and affect seeding. And obviously we talked about Alabama affect potentially a team getting into the tournament or not. Uh, and I think that's all you can ask for based on the kind of season it's been in the SEC. The potential to get eight teams in is certainly about what we expected. Um, and we will see if Alabama finds up being one of those teams, or if you see, like we, we talked about, and a team like LSU, maybe Mississippi State uh, making a surprise run and finding themselves back in the mix as well. So it will be a very, very fun and exciting week in St. Louis. We will be there covering it uh, over at southeasthoops.com, so be sure you continue to follow everything uh, over on the website. Going to be a lot of great stuff going up, uh, just Games after game after game. And as we continue to say, when you break down this bracket, there's just so many intriguing matchups. There's so many fascinating possibilities. And I think that's going to make for a very, very interesting week in terms of how many different scenarios could play out. And I've said this before. If you're someone who accurately predicts every single game in the SEC tournament, uh, you should be playing the lottery more often because I just don't know how you can do it based on the, the season we've already had during the regular season and then kind of being able to figure out uh, which teams are going to be able to stay out on top. The team that gets to Sunday, wins the SEC championship, will have definitely earned it because it's going to be a very, very fun and exciting time uh, there with the tournament this season. So uh, thanks again to Shelby Mass for joining me here on the podcast. And as always, thank you for listening be sure you're subscribed. Uh, like I mentioned a minute ago, a ton of great SEC stuff is going to be going up this week. Going to have a lot more interviews going up. If you've subscribed to the podcast before, you know uh, I put everything that I do, not just on this podcast, but every sort of audio thing you could find, SEC basketball related, that I'm a part of. I post them all on the podcast page over at southeasthoops.com. All you have to do is go there. You can check out all the radio stuff I do, the podcast, all that. It's all going to be located on there. So if you want to check back in as the tournament's going on, find all these episodes. We'll have multiple episodes going up. This podcast, there will be more stuff going up audio-wise. So in addition to the written stuff we do, there will be plenty of audio uh, for you to kind of digest as we go throughout the tournament and then obviously into the NCAA tournament as well so plenty of plenty of things going on uh and it is a very very fun and exciting time in the world of sec basketball and we will see what happens uh there and who will be crowned champion in st louis on sunday so uh thanks again for listening and i will talk to you guys next time